break out the carrot sticks and natural yogurt. No artificial hormones added. It's time for the Doctor's Nutrition Show. Dr. Lewis and Janet have a long history of helping people achieve their maximum potential. While Janet is a certified natural health consultant with a unique perspective of alternative and complementary nutrition. Dr. Lewis stays current on the latest research pertaining to nutritional supplements and optimum health. Paramount to their educational journey was their trip to China while studying Chinese medical doctors. Dr. Lewis and Janet know the importance of proper nutrition in the healing process and maintenance of the human body. Get ready to gain a healthy perspective on life. This is the Doctor's Nutrition Show. Welcome to this week's edition of the Doctor's Nutrition Show, where we have natural solutions for common health issues. We are Doctor's Nutrition of Texas. I am Janet Lewis. And I'm Dr. Lewis. And we are in the business of helping you get well, doing low-cost lab work and taking the guesswork out of what you need for your nutritional supplements. Our consultations are always free with the doctor, and our low-cost lab is always low, so available across the United States. Our website is doctorsnutrition.org. It's drsnutrition.org. We'd like you to check it out and uh, look around there. There's a health survey that you can fill out and uh, find out what's going on with your health. But today we've got a very exciting show for you about stress eating, stress, And does stress eating lead to fatty liver disease? And, you know, a little bit about what is fatty liver. We have some questions about that. We've also got uh, someone of one of our clients that's asking about probiotics, whether they should be kept cold or not, and many other exciting things that Dr. Lewis wants to share with you. So uh, let's get right into it, and let's uh, start with the probiotic question of... uh, that we had from Debbie that wanted to know about, is it better to buy a probiotic that's refrigerated or does it really matter if you get it right off the shelf or what's the best way to to do that? Yeah, this is kind of a funny question because it comes from a lady I grew up with. Her family in Hugh Springs, Texas was kind of the corner. They were like a cornerstone family. You know, they just upright, upstanding good people and now debbie's listening to me so thank you very much she said uh she got a chuckle out of my comment one on one of the podcasts about midland being stinky well i was actually thinking of amarilla and all the uh confined animal feeding operations but then i also talk about emily and amarilla and she's actually in lubbock too so i get west texas mixed up uh, my mind's convoluted so the question is um is it better to be refrigerated on your probiotics? And uh, the short answer is, in some of them, it seems to make a difference. In others, it doesn't matter at all. And what probiotic companies do, they also they, they make sure they get a higher count of CFUs or colony-forming units so that even in if it gets in the heat and some of those die off, that you're still getting more than the stated potency on the bottle. But my question is, if they're so fragile that they have to be refrigerated, what happens when you throw them into a tummy that's 100 degrees or so? We should be getting our probiotics out of the soil. The ones that eat organic and get it out of their garden are getting probiotics that live in the soil. Um, I don't think it's that critical personally, but... uh, 
Yeah, we have them in a refrigerator. We ship them with ice packs, except the ones that don't require refrigeration. But that's more a matter of what's your bowel habits as to which one you need. So that's an individualized thing. So, Debbie, thanks for listening. Uh, This is a lady I grew up with, so that's very, very flattering. Always a sweet lady. Yeah, our probiotics that we have here we uh, we have them in the fridge, and you know what we always tell people is that with them out on the shelf, just sitting there, they last about two years, and if they were refrigerated, they last about four. But with our Texas heat, uh, when we ship them, we always try to put them in a bag with uh, an ice pack because it gets a little warm here in Texas. Some of you up north are maybe not experiencing that yet. <laughs> Oh, and that brings up a good point because I asked a uh, Ph.D. in microbiology many years ago. I just love this lady. I took several courses from her. She was really tough. Uh, asked her how critical it was, and <clears throat> she took me over to a glass bottle that was on the shelf. She says, well, you see this? Uh, we've been using the same probiotics uh, to grow for 30 years, and it still comes to life. So she said the most important thing was keep it in a glass bottle where it couldn't get sunlight, you know, a dark glass bottle, and, you know, keep the moisture out of it. And she said they're still coming to life 30 years later. So, folks, it's not that critical. Okay. Well, very good. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about stress management and stress eating and all that kind of good stuff. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about you know, the reasons why people like to eat uh, or or eat out of stress, I guess, is a better way to say it. And how can we avoid that and what can we do differently and, you know, where does all this go? Yeah, some of the stress busters are learning to eat uh, to live rather than eat out of stress. And most people, whether they realize it or not, they're stress eaters because our society has been trained to eat out of pleasure rather than eat just because it, you know, helps sustain life. I think you've got to realize why you do that, even though it may be a subconscious thing and be aware of what you're being advertised to do and trying to some of the bigger companies are trying to manipulate you to eat. Uh, And they will have pictures of bikini clad women and snacks that are not healthy for you. So people think that Janet and I eat very, very strangely because we don't eat for pleasure. We eat very, very little, and we eat better quality but lower quantities of things. And, you know, I'm just not like I'm skinny. I'm 178 pounds and 5'10s, but uh, stress management, yeah, don't eat that way to, to bust your stress. You know, you can take short naps. actually makes you much more productive. If you do that, you've got to understand that a lot of these commercials are excitatory. They're trying to get you excited. And, you know, Janet says, we have an exciting podcast coming for you today. Well, yes, but we're hoping excitement transfers into enjoyment. And when it comes to stress and eating, those two don't necessarily go together. Uh, One other thing you can do is you can make a budget. You can start uh, saving a little bit. I've always said, I've said this since 1986, you know, owning a BMW or the thrill of owning a BMW goes away a long time before the payments do. So start saving. It feels better to have a few bucks in your pocket rather than be right on the edge. you got to eat and drink very, very wisely. The best thing you can do besides that, I think, is a spiritual you know, pursuit and laugh, 
laugh, laugh, laugh, find something to laugh about. You know, that I think that's super, super important. You know, getting enough sleep, the nap I talked about. And figure out what's stressing you. And I I don't understand stress quite as much as some people because I don't do fear like other people. And I've got a thing up on one of my office walls that says God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but one of a sound mind and love and whatever that says. But if God didn't give you a spirit of fear, when I have fear, I confront it, go ahead and get through it and move on down the road and find something to laugh about, really. Well, you know, with the winter, uh, us coming out of the winter, it seems we do more stress eating because I guess we can't get out and exercise or walk and enjoy nature. And um, it just feels like you just pick worse foods that you know are not good for you, but it's just dark outside and it it doesn't make for a place where you want to, you know, pick something healthy. But, you know, spring's coming up now. Things are beginning to bloom here in Texas, maybe not up north yet, but um, our stuff always blooms, and then we have a freeze and kills it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what I always look forward to is taking a walk, and it doesn't have to be a long walk, you know, 25 minutes or something, but it's a way to relieve stress. I think taking a walk through the woods with a twenty-two, trying to squirrel hunt, uh, but then the pigs moved in, so now I'm a pig hunter instead of a squirrel hunter. But, but it's a way to do something different and get your body moving and not eat all the time just to you know try to avoid being depressed basically a lot of these foods they put things in it that under the guise of artificial and natural flavorings that are neuro excitatory like the sugar salt the fructose which i think we're going to get into the fructose but the msg we've known since 1974 msg is devastating to your brain because it excites your brain and it's actually as addictive as cocaine and heroin well, what about taking something for stress? Like, you know, a lot of people are on Paxil, Prozac, Wilbutrin, you know, different ones like that. Doesn't creates its own stress. And if if you're uh, wanting to do harm to yourself, yes, go right straight to your MD and whatever they tell you to do with the Paxil, Prozac, Wellbutrin. But we have dozens and hundreds of people that says, I want to get off of it. And I said, I'm a chiropractor. I'm not going to tell you to get off a drug. That's between you and your MD. And it's a bumpy road, but you can make it. So you got to clean up the guts with proper probiotics, proper food, exercise, which helps increase bowel movements, gets rid of the toxins. And there are a lot of things that you can take, you know, like 5-HTP and GABA. Uh, theanine is a popular one. Tyrosine works really, really well, and even fish oil, if it's a good one, most of them are not, folks. It decreases the so-called fire in the brain or the inflammation. So there's so many things that you can do that are small steps but will decrease your amount of stress. But me, I, I just don't entertain him. And so when you talk about cleaning up the diet and all and stress, you know, uh you may not know, or if you've listened to our show very long, you may know, but the stress and depression come out of your gut. It's not in your head. It's it's not your spouse. Right. And so <laughs> so when you're talking about taking a drug for okay, it or whatever, it can be. <laughs> may, maybe you should consider cleaning up the gut, which leads us into the fatty liver part. Um, when you're when you're that stressed and depressed, then you have more of an issue with having things like fatty liver because it's a digestive problem. And um, one way you can tell that is if you, uh, if you've got, to, if you process everything you eat, you know, the, the liver has got to do its 
repair there. And if you're putting in more junk than you are good things, then the liver's getting burdened. And people that it happens commonly in are people between the ages of 40 and 60. Um, so, Although it's getting very, very prevalent in the toddlers, and it's even more so prevalent in the teenagers. We see it a lot now on our lab work when we run it because, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we're looking at is your liver enzymes. And when you see that somebody's eating a lot of the bad fats, you know, we talk about eating good fats, but if they're eating the bad fat, fats and they're uh, leading toward being a type 2 diabetic, or they are one, you'll see the liver enzymes are elevated, which means they have early stage fatty liver. And and your triglycerides are going up. So in the range on those ALTs and ASTs, you don't want it in range. Because when they get around 25 and higher on a woman, you're beginning to have the tendency to go into non-alcoholic liver disease or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. <clears throat> and and it's 30 and above on a man, so you don't want to do that. The number one problem with that, and not the only problem, but number one problem is high fructose corn syrup or fructose from other sources. And some of the symptoms you may experience from a fatty liver is that you'll have poor appetite, weight loss, uh, like extreme weight loss, abdominal pain, weakness, and confusion. Because that actually messes with your mind. But that's when it gets bad, too. Right. And they they don't really know the cause of the fatty liver other than the ones that are done from alcoholism and heavy drinking. They do know that 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 causes alcoholic fatty liver. Um, Well, see, she's talking about that. I'm talking about a different one. But, you know, whether it's alcoholic or non-alcoholic, you know, the high fructose corn syrup. But because fructose and liver are processed the same way. It's not burnt like glucose. It's just absorbed into fat. Alcohol and fructose does that. Right. Um, but anyway, there are things that you can do to clean that kind of stuff up. So if you're you're eating that way or you just can't really stop the cycle, there are products that you can take that do help to uh, help you have an, uh, an advantage over what you pick to eat and help clean the liver back up we call it our clean it up package because it includes the greens which um, are a powdered formula that you mix in water that's all of your vegetables and some of your fruits there's something in it called super oxy pro that is a big liver detoxifier there's a multivitamin because believe it or not you need a multivitamin because of all the minerals many times you're grabbing uh, stress-related foods and you're really just missing some minerals that if you had the right nutrition in, you really wouldn't even want those bad foods. And then the other one is a probiotic where you need to put that back into the gut so you put the good fertilizer back in the in the gut so that you quit craving all these bad things and we can start really making advances with your health. So if you want to really get healthy, you know, start with the clean it up package and that's something you don't have to have lab work for. You can just uh, purchase that on our website at doctorsnutrition.org and get started. But um, do you want to talk a little bit more about the uh, different kinds of uh, stress eating and more about the liver and what all's going on with that yeah i've got a lot that i could say about that you know janet was talking about getting the minerals and the minerals are always key we don't have enough minerals in our diet because it's not in our food so it's by far best to supplement but it has to be the proper form but the other part is vitamins are missing also and then when you cook these uh, foods most of the vitamins go away but they're usually not there in great quantities to start with and then if you 
they lose most of the vitamins in shipment and the time that it takes to ship. So it's very, very common to have B vitamin deficiencies, and B vitamins are just the basics. And then we have half the people that have this MTHF problem, methyl tetrahydrofolate uh, reductase problem, and y'all can Google that. There's a couple of good sites there that'll tell you if you have that genetic SNP, which is SNP, called single nucleotide polymorphism. You know, I'm going to get tongue-tied here, but um, I went on a heavy dose of this specifically made folic acid um, before I had the genetic test to see that I actually did have one of these uh, SNPs that allowed me to not utilize folic acid, B12. But there's at least 11 pathways of detoxification in the liver. One of them's methylation. Methylation is the one that's methyl donors, and that has to do with B vitamins. So what's the significance there? Well, there's several different entities that study cancer in a very, very broad range. They'll do meta-studies where they look at hundreds and even thousands of research uh, that's been done all over the world about cancer. And they, they say that in all cases or in almost all cases of cancer, you have hypomethylation, which means less of that working. So you need your B vitamins. 50% of us need that specialized folic acid, and that's why it's very important to eat these greens and eat the vegetables, get them organic. It does make a huge difference. Because for years they said, oh, well, organic's not any more nutritious than uh, the regular. Well, even if that was true, it would be worth the premium you pay for the lack of pesticides. But two or three days ago on Good Morning America, they, it scrolled across and says, well, organic has higher degrees of nutrients than non-organic. It's like, well, duh, we've known that for years. So so on the hypomethylation, that's very, very important, and that's why we have the greens in that package. They're called detox greens. Don't be like this friend of ours. He's in his 50s. He's had one kidney removed from cancer. He's so large that he can't hardly do his job, and he huffs and puffs and has a hard time breathing. And it's a great guy. I love, love hanging around. He says, I've got to lose weight. I've got to lose weight. He said, I've lost my sex drive totally. And he has a wonderful wife that's missing him. And I said, well, you've got to start eating vegetables. He said, I'm not going to eat a vegetable. I said, you've already lost one kidney to cancer, and you're not changing anything in your life. Why do you think cancer's not going to grow back in the same condition that it grew in the first place. He said, well, I'm not going to eat a vegetable. I said, well, don't ask me for advice because that's my advice. You've got to put different, better things into the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you have to put less food in there. Janet and I eat a whole lot less, and in all studies that I've ever read, one especially stuck in my mind, there was this study done on rats. They gave, you know, some of them could eat as much as they want, uh, some of them could eat a reduced amount with reduced protein. The ones that had half as much as what they wanted lived much, much, much longer, and they had more energy because they were, I think, running around trying to find something to eat. So the moral of the story is if you want to be a long-lived skinny rat, reduce the amount of food that you're putting in your body and make sure it's higher-quality food. Well, isn't it true that if you um, drink a couple of cans of a fizzy drink like fruit juice or Cokes or Dr. Peppers, that it can uh, result in long-term liver damage? 
You know, that's more than just true. That's like, you know, people say that, and I say, well, duh, isn't that common knowledge? And I talked to a guy yesterday, very nice young man. He says, yes, sir, no, sir, very respectful. He's actually a referral from my brother, Dr. James Lewis, and this guy is just absolutely great. He says, I'm feeling better, and this is better, and this is better, and this is better. He says, but for some reason, your pills go down better with that fuzzy carbonated drink. So instead of drinking one Coke, and I'm not saying Coke, the brand name. That's what us Southerners call a soft drink. We call them all Coke. Sody waters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's (laughs) what my grandmother said. Born in 1899, so that kind of dates her. He says, I have to drink an extra Coke a day two instead of one just to get your pills down and I'm feeling better. He says, what do you think about it? I said, well, I understand it's trouble getting some of this stuff down, but it's worth the effort. And I I think eventually you should change that because what happens, you know, when um, you do that, it kind of has a tendency to create gout because when you're doing that fructose that we talk about, that uh, metabolizes like alcohol, what happens, it converts the carbohydrates into fat. Think people that have high triglycerides. And that promotes insulin resistance. Most of you that deal with me for your health, most of you have to say, well, you're into insulin resistance because even if your A1C is good, you still have too much insulin left over because that's one of the tests we just added. Then there's something... Excuse me, called dyslipidemia, which means your cholesterol goes abnormal. And I always tell people, cholesterol's not really that big a deal. You just have to look at the entire picture, and that's mostly triglycerides. <coughs> See, I'm sorry, losing my voice. Which you know, people <laughs> around here are happy when I lose my voice. We get a whole lot more done. We let him keep on talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, and then, you know, it does cellular damage, and you've got to avoid that. And then it can lead to, when your cells get damaged from all that, it can lead to uh, increased uric acid levels. Think gout and a lot of pain. And, you know, that's a waste product that's found in your blood, and you have to take higher levels of antioxidants uh, and then when the uric acid levels get really, really high, it begins to do harmful levels or harmful things in your cells. And that's when you're starting to feel the intense pain that goes with that. Uh, and then you develop with the insulin resistance and the, the gout or high levels of uric acid. You know, then you begin to develop high blood pressure. So it's one thing to take a high blood pressure pill. And that's good if it's dangerous. But at least do something that uh, decreases the reason you have high blood pressure in the first place. And then that leads toward diabetes and obesity and kidney disease. Uh, So, you know, we can also check uric acid levels, which we do from time to time, depending on what the person wants. But even one sugary drink a day greatly increases your risk of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And sugary drink includes juices, you know. These people say, but I love my juice. And I'm like, well, okay, if you love it, you know, I'm not going to talk them out of it. But, you know, fruit juice. God put that juice in with the fiber. If you're going to drink apple juice, eat the fiber that goes along with it. And that's a major source of fructose. And it spikes 
the blood sugar level because it doesn't have the fiber in there to keep it level. There's a reason why fruits were developed the way they are. And keep in mind that fruits are a lot uh, sweeter than they were 100 years ago because of the way they've been uh, hybridized, if not genetically modified. You know, one of the the questions we always ask people when they start telling us about liver symptoms is, um, do you wake up in the middle of the night sweating? And um, we always tell people if they wake up between the uh, hours of 1 and 3 in the morning, that that's when the liver is regenerating. And many times people will tell us, hey, I just can't sleep all night. I, for some reason, I wake up about 1 and I can't go back to sleep till about 3. Well, that's because the liver is trying to regenerate. So if you're doing that, the body's giving you a sign that, um, hey, there's something going on here. I, there's something I don't like. You know, it can be, you know, taking acetaminophen over-the-counter type things can make your liver be upset. And we always recommend if, you know, if you don't really know what's going on, again, if you don't want to do our low-cost lab work, there's a couple of products that you can get. Uh, one we really like called uh, DN Detox. It stands for Doctor's Nutrition Detox, but it'll help pull off those toxins. And then another, uh, which we've given a, tons of people when they tell us they're awake between one and three, we give them a product called Liver Support and Detox. And amazingly enough, where they thought they needed to ditch their bed because they couldn't sleep all night, they took the liver detox and stayed asleep all night long. But there are also other times when it's not your liver and it's actually an estrogen problem. You know, that's really good, Janet, the way you're tying that together, because there's a study out of Journal of Family Practice that talked about night sweats being uh, fluctuating estrogen levels. And you've heard us talk a jillion times about the xenoestrogens, environmental exogenous estrogens, that's the BPA, uh, that's the phthalates, that's the fire retardants in your bed that act like estrogen also, uh, people that are on birth control. Uh, that's really, really common. So if you have fluctuating estrogen levels, how do I tie this together? Well, because the liver is very responsible in taking these uh, more harmful types or forms of estrogen and convoluting or conjugating these estrogens into a safer place. And even though I'm not a chemist, I understand the basic chemistry of this. And as your liver takes these estrogen cell or molecules and conjugates them and makes them safe, it has to go through the bile. And if it's clogged up with dyslipidemia or high cholesterol and biliary tract obstruction, that's when your liver enzymes are beginning to go a little bit high and you have the high liver enzymes. Guess what? It can't go through the bile, but when it finally barely sort of gets squished through into the small intestine and into the uh, large intestine, if you do not have the proper probiotics, it's very important, and you don't poop three times a day like Janet's uh, train story, then these conjugated estrogens turn back because of the bad bacteria in your guts and yeast and it reabsorbs into back into the body through the colon wall, and these estrogens go back to the bad form, and these are the ones that are very, very prevalent in causing breast cancer, ovarian, uterine, prostate, 
and testicular cancer. And we've seen more than our share of 20-year-olds with testicular cancer. It's getting more and more prevalent. Uh, how many people know babies that have cancer and, and kids? And it's really, really sad. And we know it's coming from the plastics, the phthalates. And one of the pieces of advice to avoid the phthalates uh, is don't drink out of a water hose. Well, everybody my age did that, but I think they're actually a lot more harmful than they used to be because uh, chemistry's changed and the phthalate count has gone up. So if you're sweating, you really need to do the lab work, whether it's from your doctor and send it to us or just through ours, which is pretty low cost. Well, what about just growing a beard? Won't a beard help keep some things away too? Yeah, growing uh, a beard. There was a study done. We thought it was kind of weird, so we'd throw it in here. But it actually says, it was a study saying that nurses with beards, you know, the guys, not necessarily the uh, Larry the Cable guy's sister. <laughs> if a woman has it, they might want to come see us also. <clears throat> it actually harbored bacteria that was not transferred in a harmful way to the patients, but was actually very disease protective. I can't grow much of a beard, but I got a big ugly mustache that some people say looks like a ferret sitting on my upper lip. Uh, yeah, it actually harm uh, 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 wards away more of the harmful bacteria. So don't be afraid of like facial M- hair. Like MRSA, it yeah. was it really helped uh, yeah. keep that at bay. Maybe that's because it's cultivating itself in there. I'm not sure what it's doing, and you get an immunity to it. <laughs> Well, that's why Janet's so good looking because I've got an ugly mustache and she kisses me once or twice a year. So, well, aren't there some books they could read like Fat Chance or Fat Chance is one of the best books. That's a good one. I don't know where Janet comes up with this because I don't even give her a hint. But uh, that's written by Robert Lustig. That book was given to me by Dr. Jim Fox in Biloxi, but. it's really, really good. It talks about how carbohydrates and sugars are bad and what fats to eat, what not to eat, and why there's uh, growing obesity, not just in the United States, but in the world itself, and how it's linked to carbs and high fructose corn syrup. And he's very a, a brilliant man. It's something that most people could read and actually enjoy. So, yeah, fat chance, very good. So that'll kind of give them an idea of where they can go to help get themselves back healthy and and pick better foods and quit eating out of stress and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I ate an apple for supper last night, folks. So, you know, it's not, you just don't eat. For enjoyment anymore. We're used to do that, but then we weren't healthy. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But hopefully you've learned something on today's show. And and please, like I said, go to our website, doctorsnutrition.org. It's drsnutrition.org. There you will find many other podcasts and topics and shows. And um, if you've enjoyed the show, please refer it to someone else. Send it uh, to them, however you send it. I know you guys are brilliant out there with the audio stuff but uh friends or family that may need this it may save their life someday get on our website and fill out our health survey and get started so that we can help you determine how to get your health back that's the best way to be blessed is bless others be like john in hickory north carolina that sent me dozens of people and you know i get referrals from all over the place so thank you for that and i know that you're going to be blessed just because you're blessing others and you're going to achieve you know, greater levels of health and greater levels of enjoyment in your life. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you right here next time right on the Doctor's Nutrition Show.